Good morning once again, everyone, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Uh, I think I've been well looked after today. Uh, woke up to some surprises at home, so which is good. Uh, just feel like it's good to be a father, you know. Feel like you deserve some pampering as well, <laughs> you know. And oftentimes, Mother's Day is always more—I don't know—more popular than Father's Day, isn't it? Yeah, we need, you know, we need a lady to blow more Father's Day. Just put it everywhere, Father's Day. Yeah, but it's good. I'm looking forward to the gift uh, after service today as well. It can never be flowers. <laughs> I mean, for men. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, well, let, let's see what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. And anyway, welcome. My name is Daya, one of the elders in this church, and it's so good to just come before you and bring God's word. It's been a, an interesting week for me. Uh, but one thing I know, anytime I come to church, you know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's an excitement that, that this play brings to my life. And so even when I've had a very long week, I've had so much, when I come to God's presence, there's this excitement, there's this joy. And to not even bring God's word, in fact, if I'm so, so tired, I can still stand up and and, and really bring it. And, and in my life, there are a few things that excite me, you know, uh, apart from, from God's word. In the family, I mean, if you, if you give me anything about chemistry, <laughs> I think even though I'm so, so tired, I would just stand around and want to talk about it because something I've learned so much. So there are a few things that excite me. One of it is standing before God's people and bringing God's word. I'm so excited today. And I hope you have a wonderful time listening to what I'm about to bring to you this morning. So this is a continuation of what we started many, many weeks ago. Duncan has been going through 1 John. And so we've not got into 1 John 4. So you can imagine we've been going from 1 John 1 to 1 John 3 and then 1 John 4 today. And there's just one more chapter, 1 John 5, uh, that will start next week. So if you have missed any of those preachers, please do want to go on YouTube or go on our Facebook page and listen, because it's very important that you can see how this thing builds up. You know, as a church, we will try to go through a, a book, because it's not for want of preaching, but it's good to see how things build up in a book. The thinking, the theology behind uh, what the, the person is bringing. So 1 John 1, you know, you can't understand 1 John 4 very well if you have not gone to 1 John 1, 2, and 3. For you to see the heart of John in 1 John 4. And so we're going to go to 1 John 4 today, 7 to 21. And, and just a quick uh, introduction. I mean, I was, when I was preparing for this, Apostle John is an interesting man. The Bible calls, is called the Apostle of Love because in 1 John, all he ever spoke about are two key things, love and truth. You know, if you go to 1 John, in fact, what I'm about to bring to you today, in 1 John 2 and 1 John 3, actually... There's a semblance of what Duncan has actually brought before. So I'm not going to repeat some of the things he has said, but I'm going to just highlight a few things. And also, being a teacher in the past, one thing I noticed is that when I'm teaching my kids and I teach them something, and they say, sir, no, you've taught us this before. And I'm like, I get that. But the beauty of being a teacher and being a good student is the ability for you to teach something over and over again. 
Because a teacher becomes a better person by teaching the same thing over and over again. So actually, if I say I'm a teacher of science, it's not that I'm so, so good. It's just I've taught it over and over again. I can stand before you and I can say with all confidence, I know this thing very well. So, for example, if you go through the you know, university system, you know, you become a master's student because you're mastering a subject. And then off from there, you go to a PhD because you've actually understood that particular field, you become a knowledge. So what you're going to hear today, you must have heard it before. But I want you to pay attention to those things because we need to master these things. So don't feel bored. Oh, love again. Oh, what again? Oh, no. I mean, I mean, I'm preaching to you about love. I mean, who has not heard about love before? Everyone. But there's an importance to emphasis. And that is what we're going to do today. We're going to put some emphasis on the things you've heard before. So you can hear it over and over again. And yet you're not bored of hearing it. Because if this thing is not true, then, I mean, there's no reason why, as you will go through the text, John repeats the same thing. I mean, you get frustrated. Like, what's going on here? And if you go to John 21, that's when Jesus was about to leave. The Bible says that he called Peter. And he asked Peter the same thing two or three times. And Peter got frustrated because he felt like, God, I've just told you before. Why are you repeating the same thing again? So we're going to go to a lot of emphasis today. And you'll see that as we go along. So, so we see John as an apostle of love. And it's quite interesting. If we go to the, no, before this, we have just an introduction I just want to bring very quickly uh, about the fact that when John was called as a disciple, the Bible called, Jesus called him the son of thunder. I mean, this is a man that talks about love. But when he started his journey, he was called the son of thunder. But a son of thunder became the apostle of love. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, God changed him from a man who wanted to call fire. If you go to Luke 9, 51 to 56, the Bible talks about a certain time that Jesus had his disciples to go into a place, and the people rejected him. He said, we don't want anything to do with Jesus. And Jesus said, let's call them fire on these people and kill every one of them. I mean, and this is the same man that is not writing about love. I mean, that is amazing. And, and for me, when I began to reflect on this, the first thing that comes to my mind is that God wants to do a work in our lives that reflect what has happened in the life of John. God has taken John on a journey to the point where he's able to say, let us love. I mean, this is somebody I wanted to call down fire. And all of a sudden, he's now called love. And before Jesus died... Do you know why about six or seven places in the Bible, it was referred to as the one that Jesus loves? That's amazing. The same man. Look at the transformation. And as Christians, this is, this is who we are. You know, when we come to God, it changes us. It transforms our lives to become like him. We're on a journey becoming like Christ. And that's the beauty of what happened in the life of John. So we're going to go from 1 John 4 now, verse 7 to 21. And today, I'm, we're going to do some exercise. So I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word today. It's a bit different. So if you can stand, we're going to read together. I'm going to read the first verse, so verse 7. And then you guys read verse 8. So everyone can 
Follow me as I go on with this. So 1 John 4, if you have your Bible, you can read from there as well. But we're going to read from 1 John 4, 7 to 21. I'm going to read verse 7. Now you guys read verse 8, and then we'll carry on to verse 21. Are we ready? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12 now. So by this that you've read, we know, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of a spirit. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. We love because he first loved us. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Lord, I just thank you for your word this morning. What a joy to just read your word together as a family. And as we go into this, we ask that you speak to our heart, that you will challenge our heart, O oh God. I pray the entrance of your word will bring light and understanding. That this word will be so simple that everyone in this place will understand what this word brings to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for that. So we'll just carry on. I'm going to go, go through uh, the verses because I believe that it's very important to dissect what John is bringing uh, in different parts of this. So I, I've put it into five parts. So I'll go very quickly. And God help me today. All right. So the first thing that I love so much about 1 John 4, 7, is a beloved let us love one another. When I was growing up, we used to have a song, Beloved, let us love one another. I'm not sure if anyone in this, in this place knows the song. We call an old song. The love is of God, and everyone that loves it is born of God and knows God. Now, oh, someone knows it. Good. <laughs> God is love. Uh, John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, so... The first thing John said, beloved, let us love one another. And I want to start with that. That's the best salutation. Can you imagine somebody is about to write you a letter and then start with beloved? 
I mean, you want to pay attention to what he's about to say. And John has, has a way of trying to draw attention to his audience. You know, he has a way of introducing his letter. And the first thing he said was beloved. And in some verses, he said, dear friends. And I feel today I'm going to talk to you about that. So I'm going to say beloved. You know, I can say, oh, beloved Duncan. Oh, I can say, oh, beloved Judith. Oh, you know, or oh, dear friends. Or oh, dear members of Christ Church Forum. This is about what you need to listen to. And it's about to give some very serious admonition. And when I was going out, I, and I looked at the, the, the ancient Greek sen- sentence about this, it's, and I'm going to call some Greek word, and forgive me if I don't call it properly. Uh, there's something, it's agape toa and agapo men. Now, it's from the word agape. So, actually, what it's saying is for the, to those who are loved, let us love. So the word beloved actually is a word that has a deeper meaning than what it seems to be. It says beloved means for those who love, let us love. So he's about to give us some very interesting admonition. And the first thing he said, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, we see through this verse that John began to make some bold statements and then backs it up with detailed explanation. I'm going to go through that very quickly. So the first part I want to look at is God's expectation as Christians. And the first thing that John said, let us love one another. I mean, that is so straightforward, isn't it? We can just close the church and go home because that is so, so simple. Let us love one another. And I want to stress this this morning, that oftentimes when we see these simple sentences in the Bible, it, it means that it's so simple, yet it's so difficult to do. Because in church, even in our lives, we have actually, we struggle to love one another as we should. And John is bringing a very strong exhortation to us this morning. And let us love one another. For love is from God. And anyone that loves is born of God and knows God. We love one another because we are loved by God and have received that love into our lives and we live in the light of this. And this is a profound truth this morning I want to bring to you. That friends, let us love one another. There are different people in this, in this church, you know, different backgrounds and this is the best place to show the love of God. The church is not, a, it's not like a... a an office where you go there with a contract, you know, you're working, and then you sign a contract, you get paid. A church is a place where you come freely. You make a choice to come to church, and then you sit with these people every Sunday. You do life with them during the week. And so you have a choice, you say, no, I'm not going to go there. I mean, if it's at work, you can just say, okay, you know what, maybe I can go to another, I mean, you can go to another church, but, but that does not solve the problem. But when we come to a church setting, it's a place where we, we show the love of Jesus. We're able to live with people that we don't know before from different places, and we do life together. And John is admonishing us so, so much this morning that we need to love one another. Now, he began to explain this further. He said, for love is of God, and anyone that loves is born of God and knows God. 
The reason why we should love one another is that God demonstrated his love towards us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that they gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3, 16. Say, by this we know that he laid his life down for us. So Jesus laid his life for me. And in Romans 5, the Bible says that God's love has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit that has been given to me. So when John is saying, let us love one another, the reason is because love is from God. So you cannot love one another if you don't understand the love that comes from God. It's only those who know God that can love one another the way God shows his love to us. Now that is so deep because as we go along you will see some some part that looks a bit like, okay, so what, what, what does this mean? And I will come to that very, very quickly. So God has demonstrated his love towards us. Now, if you now go to verse 8, say anyone who does not know, does not love, does not know God, because God is love. Now, that begs the question then, that is it just Christians that can love? I mean, you've got friends who are non-Christian, and they can say, oh, I'm a lovely person. I'm loving so if you look at verse 8, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. I mean, this is a bold statement. I mean, it's like going on TV and saying, that if you don't know God, you don't know love. And you can imagine people say, that is not true. I'm a lovely person. How can you tell me that I'm not a lovely person because I don't know God? So does it mean that if I don't know God, I cannot be loving? I mean, John is making a very, very serious statement in verse 8. That if you don't know love, you don't know God. He who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Now, I want to say very quickly that this verse does not mean that every display of love in this world can only come from a Christian. It's very possible that those non-Christians can actually show love, and that is so true. However, John is pointing our attention to a type of love that comes from a different source. Now, this source is Jesus. All he's saying is that for you to love like God, you need to know God. And if we, as we go, go further, we'll begin to see what he meant by that. Now, however noble or however highly motivated somebody is, their love falls short if it refuses to accept the love of Jesus. There's a deeper dimension of love that a non-Christian may not fully understand. <clears throat> and we, began, we begin to see John unraveling what it means to love and know God. Now, this is so important because... A man who does not know that Jesus died for him cannot know the love that God brings into his life. And this is so important. If you're in this place today and you don't know the Lord, you can be a lovely person, and I, I really respect that. But there's a love you cannot experience if you don't know Jesus. 
because there's something Jesus brings into your life. You know, I read somewhere in Romans 5, his love is poured in the heart by the Holy Spirit. It pours his love into us. I mean, he died for my sins. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, when I say I'm a lovely person, all I'm saying is that I'm not lovely because of who I am. I'm lovely because Jesus died for my sins. I am of myself a bad person. But when I look at what he did on the cross, I see love. And I'm able to love people the way God wants me to love. But how is this love manifested? Now, if we go from verse 9 and 10, part 2 now, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent a son to be the propitiation for our sins. I think many weeks ago, Duncan spoke about the word propitiation. So if you have not listened to that preach, I will employ you to go back and, and listen to that about what propitiation means. And I'm just going to spend a little bit of time dwelling on that today. So beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself to be the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. God loved us so much. I just sent a son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Propitiation has the idea of a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God. God rightly regarded us apart from him as worthy target of his judgment. We are rebels and enemies of him. Even if we didn't know him, but on the cross, Jesus took the punishment our sin deserved. A sacrifice turned away the judgment we would have received. So the reason why the person who does not know God, does not know love, is because he does not understand that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. I of myself cannot save myself. I cannot save myself. And I look to Jesus, what he did on the cross, and I'm fully convinced that I am loved by him. That I am loved by him. And this is how love is manifested. That Jesus laid his life down for me, and he's able to take it back. I think John 10 the Bible talks about love, John 10. I think John 10, 17 to, uh, 17 to 18. He said, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life, and I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, but I have the authority to take it up again. But guess what he did? He laid his life down for me. Jesus made a choice for me. And so a non-Christian may not understand that. That the reason why I'm saved is because someone chose to lay his life down for my sake. And that's the beauty of love. And the reason why I did this, I can live through him. And my question to you this morning is that do you know this love? Do you know this love that chose to die on the cross? For God so loved the world that they gave, he gave his only son, his only begotten son. 
That's so powerful. And then verse 11, it calls us again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He calls you again, beloved Chris. If God so love you, you also need to love one another. I mean, say that word again, beloved. I love it. Beloved, God so much love you. Let us love one another. Now, let, let, let's, let, let's spend some time looking at what does it actually mean to love one another? Since God so loved us, we also ought to. We have to love one another. But this is an important admonition. Are you living your life by this exhortation this morning? Do you love your brothers and your sisters? Are you selective in the person you speak to? Are you mindful of the kind of people you go out with? Do you only get along with a certain type of people? If you see somebody outside, would you pretend as if you didn't see the person and turn the other side? Because you don't measure up to your standard. Do you despise people, especially from different races, or do you have stereotypes? Do you treat people equally and fairly? How do you demonstrate God's love to your partner? How do you love one another? Loving people unconditionally is a hard thing. It's a hard thing, friends. It's not the easiest, especially if you work in different places. I mean, I've got more story to share. I mean, because I'm a person of color, and I've seen different things in my life. And I've asked myself, how can I love? You know, I've seen people tell things to my face. And then I read this and say, let us love. I can't love this person. This person is so terrible to me. And God is saying, let us love. I mean, I'm like, God, no, I'm not loving that person. No, no way, Lord. No. You must be joking, Lord. How can I love this person? No. And yet, if God so loved me, then I had to love. Goodness me. Friends, where are you in this journey? Do you, can you say, I mean, this is, uh, this is um, a challenge. As I, when I was preparing, I was reading the reading to myself as well. Go, where, I am, where am I in this equation? Can I say without a shadow of a doubt that people that have offended me, I'm able to forgive them and let go. And I love them. I mean, I mean, in the past, I've had like, yeah, I wish that person something bad. Or sometimes something happens, like, that serves him right. That serves him right. Serves him well. And God begins to challenge my heart. No, son. That should not be your way. No. Why would you joy in someone's downfall? Why would you be excited by somebody's humiliation? Just feel sorry for them and pray for them. And I'm challenging myself. I'm like, yeah, God, Lord, help me. I mean, I, I, don't, I know there are things in this world where if things happen, 
We say, yeah, that serves them right. I get that. But I'm talking about things that have to do with personal issues in my life. That I've seen people hurt me in the past. And I'm like, God, how can I forgive this person? And God said, love. That, and you know, there's a time I was going through it. And he said, you know what? When you were, were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ did not die for me because I am righteous. Christ died for me when I was yet a sinner. So if Christ so died for me when I was a sinner, how much more showing that same extension of love to people? And it is so hard. It is so hard. And the reason why we need to do this is part three, verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. Now, the reason why we need to do this, friend, is that no one has ever seen God, but they see you. Verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, that sounds a bit bizarre because he's been talking about love. And all of a sudden, he said, no one has seen God. How does that correlate with what he's been saying so far? It doesn't make sense. But I believe very strongly he's saying that no one has seen God, but they see you. No one has seen God, but they see God's children. So if we are God's children, we need to show the love of God that can only come from God. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of a spirit and we have seen and we can testify. So when you go outside there, you are testifying of God's love. When somebody sees you and says, why are you different? I'm like, yeah, it's because Jesus died for me and I can only forgive as he forgave me of my sins. It's a greater love has no man to lay down his life for his friend and can only give my heart to him and show his love to people around me. And you can see his love is being perfected in us. In other words, perfected love refers to God's love in us coming to completion or coming into action as we love each other. If we love one another, his love is perfected in us. So perfected love is love of God expressing itself in our love to each other. And then when we testify, people can see the love of God in our lives. And this is so powerful. And I want to charge us this morning. Like, God, let's let the spirit not be condemnation. This is not about condemning anybody. This is about saying, guys, this is how we ought to live our lives. If you have a thought about somebody, then you say, God, just help my heart. If there are people in this place you have never spoken to, just go and meet them. Say, hello, I haven't spoken to you at all. That is love. That is love. Now, because God abides in us, we can testify. And we need to testify of his goodness. And do you know, friends, when you talk about love as well, we talk... We testify of God's goodness. We go out there and tell people, look, it saved me. And I want you to know about him. And we can see that in John 4, the Samaritan woman. You know, when Jesus met her and she went out there to tell everyone that, look, I've met this man who told me everything that I ever did. And this is so helpful 
as we love one another. Now, it now deviates a little bit. That guys, we've been talking about love. Let us love one another. But a time is coming that we need to understand why we need this love. And then we now go to part four where it talks about love, fear, and judgment. So we take it from verses uh, 17. It says, but this is love perfected in us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. So God's love is perfected in us. And the reason why his love is perfected is because we can have confidence for the day of judgment. Friends, there's a day called the day of judgment. The day when we shall all stand before our God. This day is coming. And all of a sudden, John seemed to have just deviated from let us love one another. This is why we have to love one another. This is, why, this is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then he repeats again, let us love. And then he said, no one has seen God, but they see you. So you need to be the extension of God's love everywhere you go. And that he's saying that as we do this, there's a time that is coming. It's called the day of judgment, when we shall all stand before God. And the reason why we need to understand that is because of what we are doing today. And I love what he says. He said, but this is love perfected, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with judgment. Now, this is a very solemn charge now because when we approach the day of judgment, how do you anticipate your reaction will be? Because John is saying here that there is no fear in love, that a time will come where we will have the day of judgment. And he wants us to approach this day of judgment with boldness. Now, we should approach the day of judgment with confidence and not be afraid. So if you have received God's love, why do you think it will still punish you? Now, when I was preparing for I feel that there are people in this place. It, it, let's say God were to show up today. How, what would be your reaction? Will you be trembling, afraid that he's going to judge you? What is our reaction? I remember when I was much younger, and there are lightning and thunder. I'm always shivering, like, oh, God is going to strike me dead. This something terrible is going to happen to me. And I was living in perpetual fear. When the time came, I said, no, I'm free. If I die today, I will stand before my Savior with all confidence, not arrogance, with all confidence. Why? Because I know he loves me so much. Friends, if you die today, are you, are you afraid that if you die, you will meet a savior that will say to you, no, I don't know you. What is our reaction for the day of judgment? There is no fear in love. 
If you are a believer and you fear judgment, you must flee. You must not flee from the Lord today, but run to him in repentance. Endeavor to perfect your love by turning away from sin and turning towards him so you might be cleansed. We have no reason to fear this day because we have been saved from punishment. I love a place, uh, there's a pulpit commentary. So love and fear coexist only where love is not yet perfect. Perfect love would absolutely exclude fear as surely as perfect union exclude all separation. Fear of punishment is in itself punishment by anticipation. There is no fear in love. The completeness of love means we do not cower in fear before God. Dreading is judgment. Either now or in the day of judgment. We know that all judgment we ever deserve. Past, present, and future was poured on Jesus on the cross. The fear John writes of here is not the appropriate reference we should have of God. But the kind of fear which has torment. That agonizing kind of fear which robs our soul of all joy and confidence before God. If you do something wrong today, are you afraid? Oh God, I'm so afraid he's going to kill me now. No. You go a loving father. My son, my daughter offends me, but I don't, I still love them. I mean, God doesn't want us to offend him all the time. I get that. And that's what he wants us to do. That's why we are becoming like him every day. But he's your father. Hebrews 4 says, let us come to the throne of grace with all boldness that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Boldness in the day of judgment. If our relationship with God is marked by this tormenting fear, it shows that we have not been made perfect in his love. He loves you so dearly. There is no fear in love. Friends, I can wake up tomorrow in heaven and know that I will stand before him with all joy. There's no fear before me. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not. I'm not. Because I know separation in the body is to be with the Lord. Paul said, you know what? I mean, I love what Paul said. He said, in one, he said I have finished my course. You know what he said? Before me is a crown. I mean, Paul was so confident that when he dies, he will meet the Savior. Can you say that this morning, that if I die or when I die, I'm going to see my Savior and he's going to welcome me. Stephen, when he was about to die, Bible said the heaven opened and Jesus stood up and was like, welcome, my son. I am so confident. That when I die, and if I die, and when I die, I will meet with him in heaven. Can you say that about yourself this morning? If you die tonight, can you say without confidence that I will see him face to face, and I will say, welcome, and he will say, my dear son, welcome. It doesn't mean that I am the best of the best. It means that he loved me so much. I know when I see him face to face, I know. I will have no fear because perfect love casts out every fear. I am not afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not. 
Because I know when I say, I know, I know to be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. If you're in this place, you're afraid. Perfect love. Cast out fear this morning. If you feel like you have been, you'll be tormented when you see God. We need to say, God, this morning, pour your love into my heart. I will not be afraid. I have met people and they're so scared. I'm like, yeah, that's life. And we're going to pray this morning very shortly. And lastly, part five is a very short one. Is before we get to the day of judgment, let us love our brothers and sisters. Because the person, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. So before the day of judgment, let us love the people that we can see. So your brother, your sisters, look around in this church, people that have got needs. Speak to Duncan, one of the elders. What can I do? If you've got time, you're retired, you know, hack Duncan. Is there anybody in the church I can pray for? Do you even check on Duncan or any, or any of the elders? Because sometimes you want, to be, you want to love on them as well. You know, there are things we can do uh, to show love to one another, praying for one another, forgiving, serving, speaking the truth in love, loving the children as well. Do you go out of your way to love people? Have you got time? Open your heart to people. Come. Just have time for people. Check on people. And God will do you well. And you just invite the brand to come forward. We're going to sing one last song before we close today. And there are four or five set of people I would like to invite for prayers. And I believe with all my heart that you know, if you're wherever you are, let's make this place a place where we can just pray together as one. So the only way to have boldness in the day of judgment is to receive and walk in the transforming love of God. So I would like to pray with if you're in this place and you are doubtful, you're not sure, you're afraid. We would like to pray God's love over you this morning. That don't, there's no need to be afraid. Somebody needs to take a step of faith this morning. If you are here, you're a Christian, but you need that reassurance that you're loved by God. Why don't you come before God this morning and say, God, yes, before this God's people, I am reassured that I'm loved by you. And if you have in a place where you've offended somebody or somebody has offended you, it's time to let go and release them in your heart this morning. Just say, God, I relate this person in my heart this morning. And if you're in this place, you want to say, God, I want to grow in your love and show love more and more. Then we can come out and say, God, just help me to just love you more and more, to love my brothers, to love my sisters.